Teams of Longhorn Steers are on a permanent stampede toward the Target and the TJ Maxx. Several of the Best Buy employees, corporate calls them blue shirts, are imploring those of us in the crowd to stay calm. A couple of cops are here, too. I'm hanging back with a mother I've just met, who's in her late forties. She has straight, shoulder-length brown hair, a nice, nervous laugh, and a look of determination in her eyes. Her daughter, who is ten, is wearing a fuchsia shearling jacket, her long brown hair pulled back in a ponytail, and she twirls around and around with caffeinated anticipation, talking and talking. The girl tells me she wants a pink iPod Nano for Christmas. She tells me she's going to be Lucy in her school's production of A Charlie Brown Christmas. She sees a Hummer H3 parked nearby and wishes her family had one. But we drive a Taurus, she says. The girl tells me her name is Marissa, and I write it down. Why do you write everything down? she asks. The mother tells me her name, Carol, with one R and two L's. Carol tells me what she's here to buy today. A computer for her own mother, a washer and dryer for her older daughter and son-in-law, and a laptop for her son. I ask Carol if it's going to be a big Christmas for her family this year. Well, I don't know she says. What's big? Christmas is the single largest event in American communal life, intersecting with every aspect of religion, culture, commerce, and politics. From mid-November to New Year's Eve 2006, shoppers spent almost half a trillion dollars on gifts, which is more than we spend on almost anything else as a people, including the annual bill at that time for ongoing wars in Iraq and Afghanistan. It's a staggering sum to consider, unless you are the retailers and investors who pay close attention to it each year. For them, it is never enough. A steady drummer-boy paradiddle of worry and gloom begins on the September morning when the National Retail Federation, a Washington, D.C. lobbying group, releases its annual holiday sales forecast, with analysts soon chastising the consumer for not spending enough to impress stock investors. Even in healthy, average years, when retail sales increase 4 or 5 percent from the Christmas before, the holiday is usually portrayed as a great letdown. For those who opt in, Christmas is supposed to exist as a pure moment of bliss and togetherness. We spend more money than we have at Christmas, in part to get closer to the simple joy it advertises. Many millions of people find inspiration in Christmas every year, unpacking it just where they stored it last year and basking in its returning glow. The years go by, babies are born, and it's supposed to get better each time. Except, but, however, because it looms so strong in memory and because the happiness it represents can be so achingly elusive, Christmas can bring us down like almost nothing else. It is our happiest day and our greatest disappointment all in one, heavily freighted with expectation and the loss of innocence. Christmas pressures undo nativity naivete, delivering the anticlimax as young Virginia discovers, and she will always discover, that there is no such thing as Santa Claus, that her family has myriad emotional issues, and that her December receipts have a way of adding up to a negative balance come January. Virginia, no longer a child, becomes a consumer instead. 
Many of our TV specials, movies, and songs about Christmas revolve around the act of saving the damaged holiday, rescuing it, returning it to its simpler, if inaccurate, origins. We scream at one another on talk shows about where Christmas has gone wrong. There was a time I imagined this book as a fast-food nation or the omnivore's dilemma, only about ornaments. I wondered if I could be the sort of writer who would, say, journey to China to watch factory workers, oppressed elves, get paid deplorable wages to trim the threads on freshly manufactured holiday sweaters destined for American department stores, to be worn at ironic ugly sweater parties in lofts owned by trendy first-worlders. I prepared to go that way, called economists and retail analysts, recorded interviews and then transcribed them, took notes and printed out spreadsheets. I had, and still have, the numbers that define Christmas.